Would you turn to the 119th Psalm? I've been very uh, looking forward to trying to deal with this psalm. Longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to read these first eight verses of Psalm 119. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach your word, we ask that we might be enabled to hear what you say in your word with reverence and with hearing ears, and we ask that you would be our teacher. We pray in Christ's name that your gospel would be preached in the power of your spirit and that we would be enabled by your grace to worship thy dear son. Lord, we're so utterly dependent upon you, and we pray that you would do this for us and in us. Lord, we confess our sin. We never confess our sin as we ought to. We pray that we might be enabled to truly, before you, confess our sins, that we might be forgiven of our iniquity. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon this assembly. We pray for your blessing wherever your word is preached. Accept our thanksgiving. We're so thankful for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. And I was thinking about this. I felt this way for some time now. I believe this is my favorite psalm. I love Psalm 119. Now, you'll notice that there are 22 eight-verse stanzas, each beginning with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. There are only 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and every one of these eight-verse stanzas, the first word begins with one of those letters, like you'll 
see uh, the Hebrew equivalent of A in the passage of scripture we just read. Now, what is amazing, everything's amazing about the Bible, but um, there are 178 references in this 176 verse psalm to the word of God. This psalm is about the word of God. And I hope that when I pick up this book and read this book, I realize that I'm reading the words which God himself wrote. May God give us the fear and reverence of him in reading his word. Now, there are eight different words in this psalm used to describe scripture. We read the word law 25 times. And there are two different Hebrew words translated word, one 24 times and one 19 times. We read of judgments 23 times, testimonies 23 times, commandments 22 times, statutes 21 times, precepts 21 times. Now, before we look at this psalm, I would like you to turn to Romans chapter 9. Verse 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh. Now, scripture had not yet been written. Yet the scripture speaks to Pharaoh. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now the scripture spoke to uh, Abraham hundreds of years before the written scriptures came into being. But what this lets us know is when God speaks, scripture speaks. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Timothy 3.16. Literally, God breathed. Isn't that glorious? And this psalm, more than any other psalm, is a psalm about the scriptures. And in every verse but one verse, maybe in every verse, but at least in one hundred. 75 of the 176 verses, there is a direct reference to the written word of God. Now, this psalm used to frighten me because there were some things I didn't feel like I could enter into. For instance, verse 1, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk 
in the law of the Lord. And I remember as a young man reading that and thinking, I don't know that that describes me. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. Now, that's what it says. It says they do no iniquity. It doesn't say they do a pretty good job or sometimes they mess up. It says they do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And I used to read that and it would trouble me because I couldn't honestly say, yeah, that, that describes me. And then when the Lord gave me an understanding, I understood they do know iniquity. And we're going to see what that means in just a few moments. But look at the way this psalm begins. Blessed. Blessed. Let me read you some scriptures with regard to what or who God says is blessed. Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man. <laughs> blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God. Psalm 2-12, and this is actually said four times throughout the psalm, blessed are they that put their trust in him. Psalm 32, 1 and 2, blessed is the man. Oh, how blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And don't miss this, in whose spirit there is no guile, no deceit whatsoever. Psalm 41, 1, blessed is he that considereth the poor. Psalm 65, 4, blessed is the man whom thou choosest. Oh, he delighted in election. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest, I like that word, causest to approach unto thee. Psalm 84, 4, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Psalm 84, 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Psalm 89, verse 15, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound, that hear the gospel and it's a sound of joy to them. They understand that it's a joyful sound. Psalm 94, 12, blessed is the man whom thou chastenest. Psalm 106, 3, blessed are they that keep judgment. Psalm 112, 1, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Psalm 146, 8, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. And then in our text, Psalm 119, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Now you'll notice the word are in verse one is in italics. 
it could be blessed um, is the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And that could refer to the Lord Jesus himself. But when it says blessed are the undefiled in the way, that's the word that is used with regard to the Paschal Lamb. Undefiled, without blemish, perfect. Noah was called perfect, same word, by God. Abraham was called perfect before God. Uh, so this is every believer, and this is justification. Undefiled in the way. When God looks at you, if you're a believer, he looks at you as one who has never sinned. You say, but I have. I know, but Christ put it away. So it is no more. And every believer, this describes you, undefiled, perfect in the way, perfect in Christ Jesus. Perfect. What do you think of that? If you're a believer, that describes you. Perfect in the way. Who walk in the law of the Lord. This is the walk of perfection before God. They walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Not partially, but completely. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Now let me remind you, partial obedience is disobedience. Anything short of perfection is disobedience. You believe that? It's so. God's perfect. God's holy. And what a description of every believer. They seek him, verse 2, with the whole heart. Now, I don't want to do anything half-hearted to you. Whatever I'm doing, I want to give it my whole heart. But I believe this is also a reference to the new heart that he gives. They truly seek him with the whole heart because you've got to admit, or i got to admit, that everything that I do, there's an element of, of not, not enough, not enough, inadequate, insufficient. I've never, I was thinking about this every time I, I try to confess my sin. I feel a level of insincerity in it. Uh, I'm going through the motions. And I know that. I realize that. Even when I'm trying to confess my sin, I hate myself for it. But I never feel like I confess my sin with my whole heart. There's, a, there's inadequacy in everything that I do. But blessed are they that seek him with the whole heart, that new heart that he gives. That's the heart David asked for when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now this is what the psalmist is talking about. And look in verse 3. They also... These people who are undefiled, who walk in the Lord, that keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart, what does it say? They also do no iniquity. Now, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't say they have a pretty good walk and they have a pretty consistent walk. It says they do no 
iniquity. What's that mean? Well, you can't separate these two things, but first of all, if I'm justified before God, that means I do no iniquity. I have a perfect standing of utter righteousness and holiness before God. And it's not um, something simply that's charged to my account. I do no iniquity. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to appear there. You're going to appear there. We're going to be dead before long. And we're going to be made to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, if I've done bad things in my body, I won't be saved. You're going to receive what you've done in your body. This is justification. It's so real that the things done in your body are all good. That's the glory of the gospel. The things done in your body are all good. Perfect in Christ Jesus. That's what justification is. Sinlessness. Now turn to 1 John chapter 3. Here's what it also means. Verse 9. Whosoever is born of God. What's that say? Doth not commit sin. Can God sin? No. Can that which is born of God sin? No. This is talking about the new nature, the holy nature given in the new birth. It does not commit sin. It can't. Born of God. Look in 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that's begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. There's nothing for the wicked one to touch if I have this nature that does not sin. That's talking about the holy nature, the new nature, the new heart, the new birth. They do no iniquity. Now, in something like this, it's what the Bible teaches. Can I explain it? I don't feel a need to. I believe it. This is what the Word of God teaches so clearly. They do no iniquity. Now, let's go back to our text. Verse 4. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts, thy word. There's another uh, uh, word for the word, precepts, diligently. Is there, any, is there any other way to do it but diligently, half-heartedly, lack of effort? No, you've commanded what God 
says it's a command. You've commanded us to keep your precepts, your commandments diligently. This is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son and love one another as God gave us commandment. Verse 5, now look at this. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Now, if you're a believer, you have enough knowledge of yourself to know that you will not keep his statutes unless you are directed and enabled by God himself to keep his statutes. Amen. You know that so, don't you? You know it. I love what David said. He used the same word in Psalm 119 uh, where he says, Oh, that my ways were directed. He said, Order my steps in your word. Direct my steps in your word. Cause me to walk in your word. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. That's the heart cry of every believer. I want God himself to order my steps in his word. So all I do is walk in his word. And no iniquity is to have dominion, lordship over me. That's the desire, the heart cry of every believer. Oh, that my ways were directed. Only God can do that. And this is my cry. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Now, as long as we still sin, we're ashamed. We're ashamed. I'm, I'm ashamed of my sin. I'm ashamed of what goes on in my heart. I'm ashamed of the sinful actions. I'm ashamed. And well, I should be, but then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Now, I love this word respect. The foundation of any good relationship is founded in respect, isn't it? You know, in a marriage... What's the most important uh, aspect of marriage? That you respect one another. And oh, the respect that every believer has toward the living God. You know, Cain showed no respect to God when he brought his offering of works. He's saying, God can accept this, I would. He's showing no respect for God's holy character, God's glorious character. But oh, the respect Abel demonstrated when he looked only to the sacrifice of Christ as his only way of coming. Now, the writer to Psalms, I'm not sure who wrote this psalm. Some say David did, maybe he did. I've even heard that it's David writing to Solomon about um, he, the respect he wanted Solomon to have for the word of God. David was an old man when he wrote this. That could be the case. But here is what I want. I want to have respect by the grace of God to all of his commandments. Anything God says is important. 
well, do I have to believe this? Is this necessary to believe? Can you not believe this? And it's not her- you know, people ask questions. No, what do you got to believe? Everything God says. Respect to all his commandments. Verse 7, he says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Now, even in our praise, we realize it falls short, don't we? There's another example of everything that I experience as far as what I do. It, it always feels inadequate. When I praise him, I, I have a, a, a feel of, well, ought to, this ought to be more pure. This ought to be me out of it. You know, the, and the psalmist says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. When I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Now, how's the only time you're going to, how's the only way you're going to learn his righteous judgments? If he teaches you. And this is, once again, a reference to the cross. His righteous judgments, they're all together seen in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is his word. This is what the word of God is all about. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteous judgments. When he judge sin and condemn sin and put away sin and he justified he made the way for him to be just and justify the ungodly his righteous judgments i will praise thee with uprightness of heart when i shall have learned thy righteous judgments i will keep thy statutes oh forsake me not utterly now i See these words as the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forsake me not utterly. I don't understand what all he felt when he was forsaken by his father. You don't understand it either. And I can't imagine the grief he was going through as he was forsaken by his father and him saying, forsake me not utterly. Somehow he knew that he was totally cut off by God, but he knew During that time, he believed God that he would accomplish what he was doing and that his father would be completely embracing and reconciled toward him because of what he did in behalf of his people. And that's why he's saying, forsake me not utterly. But it's also true, the writer of the psalm, the writer of this psalm felt forsaken. Have you ever felt cut off? Have you ever felt isolated? Have you ever felt like the Lord withdrew himself from you? Sure you have. Sure you have. But here's the cry of the psalmist, forsake me not utterly. And one thing that a believer, every believer without exception, cannot bear the thought of, is for the Lord to lead me to myself. For the Lord to lead me to my own understanding. For the Lord to leave me alone. And that's why he cries, Oh, forsake me not utterly. But let me remind you, David said, I've been young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. In Christ, 
I'm righteous. God will never forsake the righteous. I'm very excited about uh, looking at, we're going to spend 22 weeks in this psalm, but I think that this psalm describes the believer's experience of grace, perhaps more than any other psalm. And, and let's, let's pray that the Lord blesses this to our hearts. Amen.